Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here with Todd Atkins and Dan Eiten. Hola. Oh, coming from Bolivia with the Spanish. I like it. There you go. That that probably threw some people for a loop. They're like, Dan's in Bolivia? I don't know if we've discussed that on the podcast yet. I don't know. Dan's been in Bolivia for a long time now. Six months. Breaking news here. Breaking news. It is Eastern time zone if you're wondering how that works. Like, whenever you hear us talking about remote work, just understand that when we we mean remote work, (laughs) we mean remote work. Work from anywhere is not just a thing here. That is very, very true. Well, today we are talking around the topic of how to transition jobs well. And part of this discussion is because this is maybe one of my final times uh, co-hosting this podcast. Uh, sadly, very what? bittersweet. <laughs> what? There we go. Hey, now. Yeah. And bittersweet news. You know, I've, I've loved my time at Lifeway, been here for six years and We'll get into this in a little bit, but have felt a call to go back into full-time ministry in the local church serving uh, in a pastoral role. So we want to kind of talk around that topic as we've been processing it as a team and trying to even process, hey, what does this look like in a healthy culture? How can churches, how can ministries handle this well? So how to transition jobs well? And let's just start out with the first question of this. Why is this important to the church? Well, this is important to the church because the great resignation didn't just happen in business. It's happened in churches um, and our, you know, our, our phones and uh, our texts and DMs kind of prove that because you have people looking for positions and you also have people looking for staff. According to the Bureau of Statistics, 4.2 million people quit their jobs in, in the U.S. in 2022. So it just means, you know, it's, it's a big time of transition for everybody right now. The real issue is, I think, first of all, is why these people quit in the first place. If there's anybody that should be able to retain employees or retain staff or fill in the blank, it's the church because the church should be the best place at developing those people at caring about those people, encouraging those people, fill in the blank. So, you know, I think, first of all, it might be good to look at what are some common reasons why people leave jobs in general? I mean, there's a lot of pastors and church leaders that listen to this podcast. There's a lot of uh, those that are volunteer and they have day jobs and they probably manage people there as well. So let's talk about that. What are the general reasons why you hear people often leave their job? I, mean, I think one of the big, big ones is just they want to move to the next level. They want to, you know, do something that's going to stretch them. They've got complacent or the job is no longer challenging and they want a new challenge. So that's that's obviously one big one that sticks out there. But there's also just the, hey, I don't like this anymore or I have conflict <laughs> or whatever else that's out there as well. Um, you know, I think COVID you know, the great resignation had a lot of people being unhappy or, or just frankly burnt out with their job and wanting or needing that change. Yeah, I think anytime there's a external factor of change. So that could be, of course, the pandemic that came in. It could be leadership transition above you. It could be your job responsibilities have changed. And 
your day to day looks different. So you're trying to feel it out. You know, uh, is, is this a place where I want to continue to work? That's one case. Another. Uh, let's go a little bit on the negative side of things. <laughs> uh, you know, you often hear people don't quit an organization. They quit a boss. So there, there could be hey, whoa, that you, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa. we're going there. Ty. <laughs> we will get into that. And that is not the case at all. No, uh, I've, I've actually <laughs> said that um, people don't quit jobs. They quit leaders or organizations. Yeah. Um, so there, there just may be a time that. where you, yeah, for sure there's caveats. So that's, that's a key. There also could be that it's just a new stage of life and, and, you know, it could be that they have a switch of career. Uh, there could be somebody who has been uh, working in the, in the marketplace and they feel a call into ministry at a later time in life or the exact opposite. We've seen that. Um, if you just look at some Lifeway research stats of pastors and transitioning f- from out of ministry and, you know, there's just a lot of factors that come into it. But overall, you know, Todd, you asked for a list of reasons, but I would just even say this in the church, you know, we're all in a you know, as we've talked about, we talked about succession years ago. And one of the the big quotes that kind of came out of that is every pastor, every church leader is an interim church leader or interim pastor. Like if you have that mindset where you're not going to be there forever and that's not going to be your job till the end, (laughs) there's somebody else who will come behind. Uh, There, there will be another role for you. So why it's important for the church to think about it, especially in this way is that your employees that you have, those who are serving on your team, you have them for however long God has them there and they're going to move to something else. You can either look at that as um, you can be against that or you can be for them in moving for that. So those are, you know, and we can even go into the next part here as we're talking about importance for the local church. But then the next is what are, what are some best practices or opposing views of how people look at this? So as you guys hear that, you know, thinking across the board, leaders you've worked for, leaders you've talked to, what are some ways that you've seen this go go well? And what are some ways that you've seen this go poorly? I think I think for me, one of the biggest things, and this is something I think you did, Chandler, and would love to dig into this a little bit more, but I think is having an open hand and an open mindset with your boss or supervisors of, hey, this is where I see myself going in the next 10 five, 10, 15 years, help me get there. Like where I'm at is not where I want to be for the next 25 years. Um, and having that, you know, boss help you develop you guide you and, and be open in those conversations when you are looking for that job to bless that and to encourage and be a good recommendation as they move along uh, to the next thing. So I think that's one of the best practices. If you can be that kind of leader that, that knows your people where they're headed and helps them get there. I'm going to say really quickly, this is one of the reasons people leave. So this is one thing you can do. I don't know that it is a positive thing is pay less people more money. Like as a church, we tend to buy leaders, not build them anyway. So if there's an essential thing on a Sunday morning, we tend to throw money at it, even if it's a part-time position when the reality is a, a, a really high level volunteer could probably do some of those, you know, 10 to 15 hour jobs. And so, you know, one of the things I think from a best practice standpoint is uh, from a retention standpoint is is making sure that people can feed their families and that, you know, raises are appropriate and planned. Um, if your staff budget is over 50 percent of your budget, then that's a problem already because it's going to be a really hard time 
to pay those people a livable wage and keep up with insurance, keep up with all the costs of running the church. And, you know, it's all, all those costs are continuing to rise. And then these people have, you know, increasing pressures from feeding their family. So, man, that's just a really important consideration. I wanted to, I needed to say that before I said anything else. Yeah. And, and I think of when we think about like opposing views or maybe just <laughs> wrong practices. Uh, I mean, I don't know if we've all served in a place like this or we know people who have and they're terrified to tell whoever is their manager, is their supervisor that they feel that there could be something new around the corner. And I think just as if, if somebody's over, you know, you're, you're a leader over somebody else, really work to allow for that open dialogue to be there. So part of that is just having a viewpoint of, man, God has whoever's on our team here for this season and to be open-handed with your people. Um, I think that is a huge best practice so, that you can have. So the reason why I said what I did, it wasn't because I wasn't listening to the question. <laughs> it's because it's because I want to make sure that anytime anybody is having that conversation with me, it's not because of a push. It's because of a pull. Mm -hmm. Like I want them to be pulled into their next role, into their next step. I don't want them to be pushed. I don't want them to be pushed by money. I don't want them to be pushed by lack of development. I don't want them to be pushed by a lack of opportunities. I don't want them to be pushed by childcare issues. I don't want them to be pushed by, you know, whatever it may be. I want them to be pulled into that. I want them to be called into that. So yeah, the other big piece there is you have to be able to have that open relationship in order for that to happen. So Chandler and I've had conversations for, I don't know, years really yeah. about his call back into the local church. And he knows that, you know, at some point in time, whenever my tenure is, is, is done at Lifeway, hopefully not for a while, but whenever it is, I'll be going back to the local church. Most likely I don't want to go be, I don't know. That's neither here nor there. Who knows what will happen, <laughs> but it's not about me. It's about Chandler today. Uh, Chandler, let's talk about me. For <laughs> no, but what, like, what, why, like, why did you feel comfortable having those conversations? Like, how did you, I don't know, like, yeah, no, I think as I think back on that question and just really even my time at Lifeway, I really think it started when I, when I first came to Lifeway, I remember, um, you know, going through the interview process, you interview with many different people and I was interviewing with, um, at the time who was over our marketing division, who I would be reporting to as along with you as a interesting structure there. But he asked me, he said, where do you see yourself in three to five years? And <laughs> I was like, I've always heard, Hey, let's get fired in the interview. Like, let's not hold anything back. And I knew I had a calling on my life to pastor. I uh, wanted to serve in the local church, but I also loved Lifeway and the calling of Lifeway and the mission. So I just, I, I just said in three to five years, I honestly could see myself back in the local church, which could have been the wrong answer. Right. But in that moment, John, and I think you might've been in the room as well. I just remember this has stuck with me ever since. It was like, that's awesome. If, if we can have you here for three to five years or however long God has you, 
and you pour into the overall church, Pixie Church, and we can send you back into the local church, man, we would love to be able to do that. And that's a job well done. And I think just that expectation, like we were just at the very beginning open with God's call. So you, I think you, John, the culture at Lifeway really allowed that for people to, to know that was, you know, a calling on my life. And then from there, Todd, I do feel like part of it was just our relationship, being able to have high trust on both sides where not only was I able to have that conversation with you, but you would ask about it, you know, check in, how you feeling? Uh, not only that, you'd ask, Hey, where do you feel like you want to be developed? I know where you want to be. Uh, I know that, uh, at some point you'd love to, to be a lead pastor down the road. No, you also, uh, feel like you have some giftings for maybe an executive pastor, uh, role and how do we help get you there? And, you know, I think that just puts wind in your sails when you're sitting there and you have a leader who, you know, it's, it's one thing to believe and say, yeah, I can see that, but then go, well, let's figure out a game plan to get you experience reps development to be able to get there. And, you know, I think one of the things I love about my time at Lifeway when I look back is you also put me in places where I felt very stretched and, <laughs> you know, and I, I, sometimes I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And it was preparing me. It was preparing me to grow in my role at Lifeway for sure. But you also knew kind of a hand in hand. I, I know this is getting him closer to where the calling on his life is. And I think part of it is you also, and you've done this with multiple people. So it's not just me. I'm not in a vacuum here. Uh, you, you also dedicate time to each person and you know, the calling on their life. And I think that's a key portion of this as a leader is uh, development is not the same for each person. You got to understand who they are, how they're wired and what that looks like. So yeah, we can dive into more details, but you know, I think that's where the, the beginning of the trust began was just from the beginning expectations and knowing that you were for me. And, you know, if I, if I came to you and said, Hey, I'm thinking about this, it wasn't, Oh no. It was like, well, tell me more. You know, it was, it was an open dialogue. And I, th I think, you know, hearing you say that Chandler, it also just kind of reminds me, like, if you're a leader out there listening and you're like, Hey, I don't know that for my people. It's a, this is also one of those great things of like why you should be doing regular performance reviews and like talking to your people, seeing where they want to grow and be developed. And maybe you don't know exactly where they want to be, or they don't know where they want to be years from now, but like through those meetings, you should be getting that sense for them. You might see that calling for them and encourage them towards, you know, a different job in the future. But if we're not having those conversations and you're just, you know, only talking about how they're doing with their job and not, you know, where they want to grow or lead, um, you know, you might not, you might not understand that. That's a, that's a great point, Dan. I think of uh, Ron Edmondson, who has a podcast on our network as well. We were having a conversation about when he steps into a new role, you know, he has kind of a, just a staff survey to kind of get a lay of the land and also get to know each individual leader. And I think on one of the questions, he even asks, how satisfied are you in your current role? And people can answer that, you know, 10, I want my job. I want to remain here. Like I'm doing great. Uh, don't want to, you know, rock the boat. But I remember he had a few people that said like three or four. So even in that conversation, he's like, what, what are you not satisfied with? And how can I help you 
is it this role and there just needs to be some more responsibilities that hit your gifts and passions or man, is it a different seat on the bus or is it a different organization? So what you just said, there are ways to get to that having open dialogue. And it really does just start with you as the leader set that expectation. If, if you feel like, oh, well, they'll come to me if, if they want. That is a very big <laughs> hurdle to jump over uh, with your boss, for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, there's a certain personality type that will be more than happy to put themselves forward and ask for what they want, et cetera, et cetera. But, and, and some of those people are, you know, absolutely worth their weight in gold, and some maybe think a little bit more of themselves than they ought. <laughs> um, but most people do require some type of open door um, to have that conversation. So it's really important to not only have that conversation when you first get there uh, and not only annually in a performance review, but, you know, from time to time and just being sensitive and, and, and open to that. And also, like, as you said, saying, okay, this person is an A player in their role, but what about their next role? Like, great they are more than competent in this role it doesn't mean that we're done here or i can put them on the back burner and focus on other people it is to say how do i get them to the next spot what stretch assignments what um things that it's either a what do they want to do or b what do i see in them it could be some weaknesses that you see that they need to to shore up because, you know, we, we rise to our level of incompetence in, in some key area. But, you know, it, it, is, it is being aware of that, not just, you know, once a year, but especially at least once a year in that annual review and then having some kind of a push, you know, forward. It, it's really weird for me because I talk about annual reviews a lot and then I'm not always great at doing them. Uh, to be perfectly honest with everybody listening, <laughs> I feel like that is an ongoing thing. And uh, sometimes there's policies and processes in place because they're really important for, for everybody to do. And that's just not just staying compliant with some HR thing, but it's important because some people need that intentionality of a framework built in for them if they're not intuitively doing that on a regular basis. So, I'm making, it sounds like I'm making a really big excuse for why I, <laughs> I hate doing annual reviews, um, honestly, because I feel like, well, we've already had this conversation. We already know this. Yeah. This is stuff we've already talked about. If you're surprised in your annual v review, then there's a problem. People who have been long-term listeners of the podcast will know, you know, I used to like score my relationship with my boss based on whether or not we answered the same, we rated me the same on things. It's like wh whether or not I'm self-aware and whether or not, you know, we're on the same page. And so, yeah, I think it's all those things. Chandler, I would say if we went back in time and looked one of the key things I would say that your organization can do or your church can do is things like an internship program, or if not an internship program program, like genuinely invested volunteers, not just door holders and baby rockers. We need those people. Absolutely. But really higher levels of responsibility 
in, uh, in leadership and high levels of understanding of your culture. So Chandler is a product of our internship program. He came, you know, did the internship program on my team actually. And then he went back and was and in he a came, He came church back after that? I know. That's a whole podcast in itself. That's a whole podcast in itself. Then he was out for two years. And then Barnabas was transitioning to a new role in Lifeway to be over marketing for a whole business area. And so, you know, who, who, who did I call Chandler? Did Chandler have a bunch of marketing experience? <laughs> no, um, he didn't, but he was a really quick learner. He already had leadership chops. I saw tons of potential, but the big thing for me was he had a great attitude. He had a great work ethic. And so, you know, he came and then it was from then to now, it was really figuring out, okay, is it senior pastor? Is it part of a lead, you know, team of pastors, that crazy new model? Um, <laughs> is it a plurality of leadership? Sorry. Uh, is it, you know, XP kind of stuff? Um, like what, like what are those things? And then what are those skill sets to get there? He won't tell you this, but he just wrapped up his, his doctorate, which I was totally supportive of in some years was able to be more supportive than others uh, financially, but always allowed him the freedom to do those things um, and not have to worry about vacation, you know, and those little things are things that you can do. Even if you, you don't have tons of money to say, Hey, I'm going to pay for your education so you can leave me. People think you're crazy. Like, why would you encourage that? Well, I encourage that because he's going to continue to grow as a leader and you know, I'll get benefit of that as long as he's around. But you know, like I have a relationship with everybody that worked with me pretty much. Barnabas would be not, not as much. And that's not because we don't like each other and randomly DM each other. It's just, we don't work as much together anymore, but everybody else that um, has been on my team, I still have engagement with and interaction with anyway at Lifeway. I don't know. All that to say, those are some things that you can do that are really practical that make it possible to have that type of relationship. Because you do those things, that's a way to build trust with that person so that they are open to having the conversation. And you don't find out two weeks before they're leaving, you have been talking about for two years or months, you're processing opportunities with that person. And you're sometimes saying, if you go there, I will be offended. Um, that may because, have <laughs> because I'm not trying to build you up or puff you up. Uh, but I didn't invest in you for you to go do this, bro. But it's honest very, conversations. Honest conversations. I'm very, very happy. I'm very happy for Chandler and Allison and their family and, and their, their new church. It's, it's, it's a blessing. So 
Dan, you need to come back into the podcast. It's just going to be everybody, everybody reading our mail. Uh, well, no, I did. I did want to come in and just like switch focuses a little bit. So we've got somebody on our staff or that's maybe you that's transitioned. You've, you've accepted a new job somewhere else. You're have a month left before you're moving on. What are some of the best practices there to, for you, if you're the employee leaving to set up the next person well for success, like most likely they might not have your backfilled position set yet. And if you are a leader that has a, an employee leaving, what are some best practices to help that person leave well, but also protect your ministry or your organization through that? Yeah, I just blocked off my calendar for a month and it's been great. You don't know how difficult it was to get him to record this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, I, I do think, and I've had, I hope I'm doing this well. I think we've seen others on our team do this well, and we've all been in different areas where we've seen examples. We kind of joke there's, when somebody transitions off of our team, there's always a book of their last name. So with Kaylee Black, she left, it was the book of Black. Andy Dukes moved to a different area of Lifeway as the book of Dukes. So I've been, I've been really trying to compile um, the book of Vinoy, you know, just trying to, <laughs> trying to say, hey, here's what you need to know if somebody were to just come in for the first time, here's what you need to know. Here's everything of how the processes work. And, you know, Dan, I got this idea from you. You did this when you left uh, your church to come to Lifeway. I even will just go in and record a quick Loom video, which is just simply a screen recording where I can talk over it. And that's kind of where it gets into the more detailed aspects where we're going into applications, maybe it's spreadsheets, documents, and just saying, hey, here's what this is. But you know, being able to go in and go, oh goodness, like here's the task that this person was doing. They're not here. What does this even look like? Uh, you're able to do that in the transition or somebody coming into the role for the first time. I mean, I remember I stepped in after Barnabas and there was, I was just going back to his folder often of, okay, what did this look like? What did we do in the past? How did this work? So I think setting them up for success, trying to think through the questions of, okay, what would be helpful? What can I answer for them? The frequently asked questions that I feel like will come up when I'm, when I'm leaving. Yeah. I would strongly suggest Loom or another screen recording place like that. Like I still have um, people from Restoration City, you know, I, I talk to them often, but they will say like, <laughs> I, I met, I met somebody who was actually an intern and he was like, I feel like I've known you because I've watched your videos so many times. Um, <laughs> I, I know your voice already, but it is a helpful tool to go back and be like, you know, like I recorded all the stuff of like, just even how our live stream worked um, on a Sunday morning. We, we you know, we were in COVID and coming out of COVID and, you know, just walking through each of those steps. Sometimes it's a little, I think maybe this is just me, but I prefer having a visual and an audio versus reading something in a document. Like for it, sure. it clicks a lot better for me. So um, I just think that's huge, but also having that documentation and whether or not they use it or do it exactly the same way that I did once I left, it at least gives them kind of that baseline knowledge, which is super helpful. You are not a good leader if when you leave, everything falls apart. I mean, I, I think that some people like, uh, I don't know, enjoy people having to pick up the pieces after they leave or, you know, will I don't know, somehow get some type of fulfillment or ego boost or fill in the blank if things, you know, aren't as good. 
shortly after they leave. And I'm just like, man, that looks way worse on you mm -hmm. than it does on the person replacing you or your organization. That really looks poorly on you because you need to do everything that you can to set them up for success. You know, checking in after you're gone is not something that it's not like you holding on. Oh, I can't believe he's still holding on. That's really sad. No, it is, it's a concern about the legacy that you leave and the stewardship that you, you know, still have. I mean, I don't know, like I still, I still for the first two years after I left McLean, I was still pulling uh, documents for people on a regular basis because I knew that I needed to say <laughs> there were some things I needed to take with me because they would need it. And, you know, for the first couple of months, uh, there was some back and forth there, of course, but then it was sporadic or sometimes I would check in and ask questions and be like, oh, well, you know, remember this history or, you know, whatever. And now it's so far gone. That doesn't happen anymore. They're like, who's Todd? <laughs> no joke. Um, I actually, <laughs> I actually met, I think it's, there's been two pastors of the Arlington campus, which was McLean's first campus since I left. And I, um, I like was talking to him and he didn't know who I was. He'd never heard of me, <laughs> didn't know my name, whatever. He thought that Edward Hunt was the first campus pastor of Arlington. And I'm like, no, like, excuse me. It happens. <laughs> excuse <fast. laughs> me. Excuse me. Let me tell you something. I don't even know that I was there a year, so it doesn't really count. And PS, I knew I wasn't going to be there a year. This is a great conversation as well. I knew I was going to be in that position temporarily. And so I never made myself, I don't the, know. The point person is relying on person, you. Yeah. Yes. I never made it so that it would rely on me or my personality or me doing everything. It was really set up well for me able to be able to, to leave. So that was that, it was kind of that way from the beginning or at least about three to six months in, we knew I wouldn't be doing that long-term. And so I worked with that team to set up the next person well and chose that person who at the time was in my small group and, you know, all the things. So I think there's there's one other really practical thing that I think churches should be doing or, or companies should be doing when, when an employee leaves is having a really well done exit interview. Like, I hope that as a leader, like I think Todd knows exactly everything Chandler would say on his way out. But I think still allowing that space for the employee to have um, something we were talking a lot about at LifeWay about radical candor, just being open and honest. It's a great opportunity for you to hear feedback, whether you think it's right or wrong. I think having that, I feel like a lot of inter exit interviews these days tend to just be a very traditional, hey, here's here's my credit card back, you know, blah, blah, blah. But there's not a lot of feedback that's actually might change anything at your church or your organization. But I think actually having an exit interview with some, some meat to the bone of it is extremely helpful uh, for churches moving forward. That does mean radical candor and not radical criticism mm -hmm. because radical criticism won't be received well and won't change a thing. So, you know, there is that balance of truth and love in the conversation. Yeah, that's a good caveat. Well, any any final thoughts on this? We may have already kicked the tires on it enough, but any final thoughts before we wrap up? 
Uh, I would just say Chandler is still going to be doing Unseen Leadership podcast. You should check that out. He'll still be engaged with us for a while. So hopefully, I don't know. We may even <laughs> we may even have him back on the podcast at some point. Ooh, there we go. Um, you know, it would be fun to have you back on to like dissect in front of everybody. Um, <laughs> Here's how the rules going. Ninety days. <laughs> no, let's do your first ninety days, bro. I'll do my instead of exit interview on the podcast. I'll do an entrance interview <laughs> yeah, of how yeah. things are going. Yeah, <laughs> I still need to talk to. I still need to talk to uh, John Mark, but that that could be a fun. It could be a fun conversation for for everyone except for you. It could be <laughs> very true, <laughs> very true. Well, hey, thanks for listening. We we hope this has been helpful. You know, as we were processing this as a team we just thought hey a lot of people are wrestling with this let's have a conversation and maybe add some best practices that you could you could use in your organization and hopefully create that healthy culture where you know maybe you as an employer can open that up to those you are leading or you want to have this conversation up the line so we hope this has been helpful if it has head on over to wherever you're listening to the podcast give us a rating and review share it with somebody who you may know is thinking about these things and we'll see you next time Thank you.